to Two Bad Guys. I'm Alex. And I'm Rob. And we have been looking to have a conversation along these lines for quite a while, um, and never a better time than right now where we have Miss Colleen here. We wanted to talk about gender, gender fluidity, and bisexuality. Um, And Miss Colleen, who is a fetish content creator, is somebody that Rob and I have crossed paths with over the last couple of years here and there and feels like the the perfect person to have this conversation with. So very excited to have you here, Miss Colleen. Welcome. I am excited to be here. I've been I've been wanting to be on this podcast for a while, so it's actually surreal that it's it's happening and it's exciting. Nice. Well, we're very glad to have you. I'm very curious to hear about uh, your experience with gender fluidity and the content you create and how it all relates to bisexuality. Oh yeah, I'm very happy to share all of that good stuff. <laughs> Sweet. I'm glad to hear it. So maybe we can start, Miss Colleen, with just like a brief intro just from you of your your pronouns and and just anything else that you want to share with us about kind of your background sure uh so my name is miss colleen i am 24 years young i am a bisexual gender fluid fetish content creator hailing from the jersey shore and yeah i've just been on this journey of just really diving into my gender and sexuality ever since i was 20 so i really came to accept and embrace being gender fluid probably three years ago once I had the terminology and the vocabulary to speak how I feel. (laughs) And what are your pronouns? And given the gender fluidity, did they change? Are the pronouns fluid also? Or The pronouns are pretty fluid. I primarily like to go by she, her, but with work and people that have only known me as presenting male, it's like I'm I don't feel bad if someone use he, him when I'm at a drag because, you uh-huh. know, it just comes naturally to people when you have a beard and you look very mask. <laughs> I was going to say the listeners can't quite see that you have a little mustache and beard there. Oh, uh, yeah. It's very interesting because when I'm at a drag, the pronouns don't matter as much. But I'm, when I'm in drag and I'm presenting female, it's more it means a lot more to me. And I didn't realize how much it did mean to me until I had a a friend, an acquaintance rather in the scene. And this person just kept using um, masculine terms like, Oh, what's up dude? Or, Oh, you look good as a guy. And like, those aren't like compliments to me. So I remember I, you know, feeling that way. And I had to sit him down and saying, Hey, I don't like those masculine terms. It's not my fantasy. It's like, I don't take that as a compliment. And um, this person, like, corrected themselves, and I'm glad that they, like, took it upon themselves. Like, oh, sorry, didn't realize it, and gave it as a moment of education. Yeah, I love that. What are your experiences using she, her pronouns and in drag? Like, what does that that mean to you? What is that experience when you're presenting that way versus, you know, out of drag? In a sense, when I'm in drag, it's like putting on my suit of armor and going into, I don't want to say battle, but just, like, stepping into the arena, and it's just like, part the seas bitches miss colleen is here and i have this presence and it's just you know like people are just drawn to me because i you know you could see in the background of my room i wear outrageous wigs i'm wearing six inch stiletto platform heels like i have a presence but every now and then when i just go out presenting mail i don't have that same presence and it's kind of more just like ooh, you're faded into the crowd a little bit and that's just at times it's a little like like I take a back step and I'm like, wait, I'm not getting 
this reaction from people. I'm not getting people just like coming up and talking to me or someone say, hey, can I buy you a drink? It's very different. What led you to to kind of form that, whether you want to call it persona or, or just identity and presentation for yourself? So I remember my, fo- my first like exposure to like kind of femininity with someone that wasn't male assigned at birth. It was with Gigi Gorgeous. I remember following her on Instagram all throughout high school and I just admired her beauty and I didn't know she was transgender. I had no idea. I just thought she was this beautiful woman and just didn't think twice about it until she posted uh, about being transgender. And I'm like, what does this mean? Like, I don't have, I don't know what this means. And I did some research and I was just like, kind of just blown away. And then I just started following Mm. her journey through like her makeup tutorials and stuff like that. And and it just spoke to me, and then I just tried it, and haven't looked back since. Yeah, you know, we've talked a lot on the the podcast about kind of gender fluidity within our own identities, sort of thing, and and how we like scoff at the idea of masculine norms, right? Yeah. But I think it's an entirely different, well, not entirely different, but a, a very linked but different conversation of like actually owning other gender presentations as like you're outlining it like perfectly as like power, right? Like you literally said that that's like a that's a powerful image for yourself. And that, that definitely intrigues me because I think a lot of people view that as like drag as, as this kind of persona you put up on a stage and then it's not power as much as kind of like an alter ego almost, right? Like that it's presented to us almost as this alter ego sometimes. It reminds me of like a superhero putting, putting on their other persona or something. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I go back and forth with the, the thought of if it being like an alter ego because the way I like to think of it just when I'm in drag and I'm exuding that personality with people it's kind of how like RuPaul says how drag is not like putting on like this persona it like it reveals who you are so like just being Miss Colleen and being out mm. in full drag it's just kind of like if my personality is on one level it's like amped up a thousand percent when I'm going out in drag and presenting female huh. yeah I mean, sounds like basically just a bigger version of who you are rather than some different version of who you are. Yeah, exactly. This may be a semantic question or maybe it's like besides the point, which you can tell me, but like, do you identify as trans and within the trans community or is like the fluidity and being able to be non-conforming sort of a separate thing? Yeah, I never thought through my entire time exploring gender and drag and all that, I never once thought that I was transgendered. It was just if anything, it was just more, it was like an extension of me. And Mm -hmm. I just never thought about being transgender because there's, I like presenting masculine. Like I like, I do like having a beard every now and then and, you know, going out in a suit and just as far as like personality and attitude wise, like there's things that I enjoy that are masculine and, you know, and, but they're at the same time, there's this mesh with what I enjoy with feminine things and traits and stuff like that. So that's why the fluidity aspect of it fits yeah. right, fits the best. You know, it's fu- it's funny and it's similar. It feels similar to like my bisexual journey in that like I never quite I, I knew what gay was, but I never quite identified with that because I had attractions to women. But I also like I had both. And I think when I first learned about what being transgender means, that never felt like me at all but the more i've got into this community and talked to alex about this and at been at by request the more i've learned about like gender nonconformity and fluidity and that kind of thing and like 
I've questioned, okay, well, I don't feel like a woman, a trans woman, but I don't totally care to be masculine or a man, at least not all the time either. And I've realized that it's like somewhat of a similar spectrum and that even though I haven't moved that far away from the masculine side of the spectrum, I am open to it and I would like to, and I don't really feel attached to this side of it. Is that how it feels for you? And also, how does your bisexual journey relate to this? Was it intertwined? Yeah, I feel gender fluidity and androgyny kind of go co in hand. I don't, I wouldn't say they're the same thing, but they coexist in kind of like that same discussion. Mm -hmm. So that's something I've been playing a lot with ever since the pandemic started in March, because when I would go out, I would be self-conscious about, you know, being tucked, wearing hip pads, wearing breast forms. And now I'm just like, okay, I'll be in full face. I'll wear this beautiful wig, but my man chest is going to stick out. I noticeably have a bulge. Like, I don't really care anymore. And I just want to play more with that androgyny aspect of it. So, mm. and I know a lot of other people that aren't necessarily gender nonconforming, but as far as like a fashion sense, they go for more the androgynous kind of thing. And it's just, you know, and right. it's mm. interesting how like fabric and clothing can empower someone to feel type of way. Yeah. But as far as bisexuality playing into my gender, I remember early on when I was like 19, 20 years old, around that time, I was very aroused at the idea of being in drag and having sex with men. I don't, uh, just at that time, that's what like spoke to me. And I never thought about having sex with men out of drag because it just didn't sit right to me. And it just didn't have that huh. same level of attraction as it did if I was presenting female and in drag. So that's when it, like the mm. bi curiosity for me started like trickling in and, you know, I had some experiences and I'm just like, okay, this huh. is, I, you know, I'm attracted to men, but my attraction to women is still there. So that's what I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty certain that I'm bisexual. Huh? That, that makes so yeah. much sense as you say it, but it's not what I would have guessed. I would have, I don't know why I would have guessed the, bisexual awareness came first so so you're saying you actually explored gender first and then that sort of led to fantasies that played out and then you realized you could call that bisexual yeah and I was it was interesting because I had this discussion with someone the other day with how I got into watching porn and like finding my sexual attraction to things I remember the first porn I would watch was with transgender women and that's mm -hmm. all I mean i I can't remember vividly watching boy girl porn like when I was watching it. I just I remember vividly trans you know a transgender woman and a guy. Hmm. You know because when you watch porn you either like visual yourself as one person or like seeing an act happen turning you on. And I'm just like I don't really resonate with the dude or the trans woman. Like just this whole thing is attractive to me. And then once I started exploring gender and getting into drag and you know i kind of segued into you know kind of being attracted to what a transgender woman would be doing bottoming in a scene so that that was a very interesting like awakening that i had for the longest time i was very stuck in like if i was going to have sex with men i have to be in drag but i've kind of like kind of let go of that in a sense and just because my attraction just kind of changed towards men and it's just like i don't necessarily have to have that now where i have to be in drag and it's just like hmm, like 
okay, I want to maybe give this a try. And certain fantasies come into mind. And like I said, the attraction kind of like changes for me. Yes, the definition of bisexuality. Yeah. <laughs> fluid attractions that can change over time. Yeah. Yeah, because for me, I mean, if my bisexuality in a nutshell, and it's funny, I joke with my one friend about this, is I'm bisexual, yes, but men are on thin fucking ice. <laughs> but, like, my belief is, is I'm bi, but I have emotional, romantic monogamous desires with women but when it comes to sex and kink and bdsm that's where the more like the doors open uh-huh. mm, yeah. as far as sexual yeah. relationships oh. ds relationships and stuff like that so in your romantic like other kinds of relationships like more dating scenarios do you mostly date women and do you present as a man most of the time or how does that work when I met my ex-girlfriend, we met on FetLife, and she was a woman that was into drag queens, crutch stressors, transvestites, and I'm like, hey, I fit into that broad category, and uh-huh. the first time I met her, I presented male, and we kind of just hit it off, and then, yeah, like, when we would go out, I would go out in full drag, and, you know, we would just make it this whole ordeal, and she was the only like serious relationship I had every other relationship that I've had with a woman, you know, was either like two to three months or less, but all those relationships have just been me presenting male. And I remember I was going to speed dating a lot, just regular speed dating at a local bar. And I was good at getting matches. Like, you know, not to toot my own horn, but you know, I, I, I can vibe with someone and connect with someone. And I've done it like six times and I matched every single time. But like, once it comes down to like, hey, I'm bisexual, I'm gender fluid, I'm kinky, uh, I'm a content creator. Like, one of those four things that just, like, kind of rubs someone the wrong way. <laughs> and it's just, uh-huh. oh, okay. So that's why I wanted to, like, pump the brakes a little bit on just dating sh- straight cisgender women and just kind of want to connect with more queer people. Yeah. yeah. No, I definitely relate to that quite a bit because I think I definitely struggle with the idea of dating a straight cis woman just because there is an experience of queerness, I think that all three of us can like share and kind of align on, like just like a view of gender, right? That if you're, if I were straight and cis, I just don't think I'd view gender in the same way that I do right now. It would, it would be a much further journey to um, do that. And I always say, like to allude to some of the stuff that you were talking about your own gender, like I fully know and realize that like the only reason I am not like walking around with heels that I don't have heels like in my closet and such is because I've just been, like, raised that to, like, have more power in my masculine present in presentation, right? Different than your experience, obviously. It's interesting, like, you know, because I had that light bulb go on <laughs> off in my head as you were talking, because, you know, my background growing up, especially through high school, I was a jock. I played football, I played ice hockey, mm-hmm. and I was in that stereotypical group, like, the cool kids that were, you know, going to party every Friday, Saturday night and hung out with that clique of cool kids. So like perception is an amazing thing to me because, you know, the way I can be perceived is could be totally wrong, absolutely incorrect about who I actually am. And it's interesting because like I hear a lot from other queer people, like in my experience that they knew they were queer such early on in their lives or, you know, as a teenager. And I'm just like, 
gosh, I mean, I didn't realize I was queer until like two or three years ago. (laughs) And, you know, I didn't come from a background that like fostered that in me. Like, you know, I, for most of my early life as a teenager, I was working blue collar jobs. So it was just like, I wasn't, I didn't have that. Hmm. I only exposed myself as much to queer people and queer culture as I allowed it. And that didn't really happen until like three or four years ago. Right. It's like, if you have that ability to be comfortable in different worlds, then you end up not necessarily realizing that so early. If it's somewhere in the middle, it's like a longer process to figure out. Yeah. And it's like, when I had that discussion about, you know, being this jock, this, I use air quotes a lot around cool kids, because, you know, just kind of that ideology kind of just doesn't sit right with me anymore. But um, just having that idea and then when i talk to people about it just like oh you must have done dealt with like toxic masculinity and like all these things growing up that you must be like sick to your stomach about now and i'm just like um you know i acknowledge that those things exist and people have had had bad experiences like with toxic masculinity or locker room culture with football and you know like bad stuff with cool kids being bullies and all that but that wasn't my experience like i learned valuable life lessons from being an athlete and you know, I never got in fights in high school. I don't remember disliking anyone. Like, you know, I was just kind and nice to everyone. So like, it doesn't sit right with me when people just automatically assume like, oh, you were all these things and now you're this. So you must've had bad experiences or something. And I'm just like, no, I just evolved as a person and expanded who I am. Well, and it sounds like you're like drag what some people frame as alter egos. Like that, that concept doesn't work for you for the reason that like, sounds to me like you've just integrated all of those identities into like who you are like on the daily, right? Like when you're presenting one way, doesn't mean that you maybe still don't have some of that like jock teenager kind of like you don't respect that part of yourself too. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Would you say that's fair? Oh, that's definitely fair. And like, you know, being a content creator and having an online presence, it's interesting how people connect with me because, Mm. you know, people connect with me obviously, you know, with physical attraction, seeing how I look and what I'm presenting and what I'm doing, you know, in my content. But the people that really stick with me and the people that are super loyal and that will, you know, are big customers are the ones that are in love with my personality. Like I posted a pic Mm -hmm. the other day of me, you know, posing in a thong and knee high socks with my hockey stick. And this person was just like, and totally enthused about like the hockey stick I had, because it's, you know, an older one. And we're having a full on conversation about my hockey stick. And next thing you know, they're a subscriber. I'm like, that's so interesting, you know, and that's how I connect with people is just exuding those kind of weird personality traits that you wouldn't expect from this presenting person. Yeah, very interesting. And it maybe like defeats the the assumption even there that's happening that like people are just into you because of like something you're actively doing sexually or something. Yeah, it's just like, oh, if you think my OnlyFans DMs are just literally sexing and being flirty, no, I had a full-on conversation with someone with all the truck upgrades I did to my truck, and probably now every time that they see a lifted pickup truck, they're probably thinking of Miss Colleen now. (laughs) I have many more questions about this, so before we get further, can you just step back and give us a little overview of, like, what is the kind of content you create? How long have you been doing it? How did you get started? And like, why? What what motivated you to do it? So first and foremost, I wasn't one of those basic bitches that hopped on an OnlyFans when a pandemic hit. No, I started, <laughs> I actually started, it would be my one year sex worker anniversary um, this Halloween. 
happy anniversary. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I went to Exotica in New Jersey, and I just had this realization that I was posting sexy stuff, and I was on FetLife, and just you know sh showing my expression, my self expression. I'm like, it would be cool that if I could make money doing this. So, you know, I made some connections at Exotica and I started the OnlyFans and the rest is history. But uh, the kind of content that I enjoy most shooting and doing is just really captivating, interesting stuff. Like the basic stuff I do is, you know, pantyhose worship, schoolgirl for whatever reason really resonates with people. <laughs> I couldn't tell you how many schoolgirl clips I shot. But, um, <laughs> you know, since I'm a switch and, you know, I'm kind of versed, like I I'm trying to get better on, you know, I don't want to say limiting, but having a more tiny focus area of doing stuff. But, you know, I, I, one of the things I love doing is shooting custom clips. So mm -hmm. people that have these fantasies yeah. and they say, you know, I visualize this, they give me a script and then I make it come to life with a clip. And it's just like, there's something so surreal about doing that, making a fantasy into reality. And that's probably my favorite thing to do as a content creator. Cool. Well, I've checked out your content and it's awesome. Thanks. I, and it's funny, I saw you subscribe and I'm just like, this name is, is I know this person. And then I'm just, once I clicked on your bio, I'm like, oh, it's him. <laughs> well, I had to do some research. That's what I figured. I'm like, I, I said that it. to a friend. I'm like, yeah, I was telling her that I was doing this podcast and I'm just like, oh, he's, he's there for research purposes. This is strictly business. <laughs> right. That's the hidden perk of hosting this podcast. And like we interviewed the by male porn stars last season. And like I, I remember, had to yeah. subscribe then. I just had to to see what they were doing. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. You know. Yeah, Rob has a very it's specific focus with this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <Hidden> <laughs> <agenda>. The dedication's <laughs> real. Yeah. <laughs> well, how are you received overall? Like how do you see your image as a content creator? And and like what are your goals with that? So like and that's the one of the things I was mentioning earlier, how I want to just kind of tighten up on a specific area of focus because, you know, I'm very yeah. broad, like, you know, I'm a switch, uh, like, you know, what I actually physically enjoy doing is with kink and, and sex is I'm a switch and I'm verse. So that's mm -hmm. so many doors, so many little hidden passageways you can go down, but I definitely want to focus more on like a specific niche and just kind of tightening that up and, I want to expand and do more collaborations. Like one of the, um, the other things I really love doing is photo shoots. So one person that I always love shooting with, uh, Agent Topshik, who's actually gender fluid as well, but she's a cisgendered woman or female assigned at birth, I should say. And it's funny because we're both the same build and body type, but she's female assigned at birth. I'm male assigned at birth. So it's so cool using concepts and stuff with her. And that's one of the things I really love doing with the photo shoots is just having these amazing concepts that I've had. Um, one of them recently being the, uh, I did a road warrior shoot and we incorporated my truck and we found like this distressed area. And the fact that I had this vision for probably like a year now and it came to life, it was amazing. And the fact that I yeah. can monetize that and make money with it, it's just really cool. I like those pictures. I just saw those. They're, they're very cool. I, I was like in tears when I got those pictures because, like I said, I envisioned that for like a year. And it was just, yeah. I was so happy. They're badass. That. They're like badass. <laughs> with the, the, that, the, it's the one with all the black leather, right? And like, yeah. Those are cool. Yeah. Do you have a sense of like the makeup of your audience mostly like along the gender spectrum and also do you have a sense along the sexuality spectrum where people fall 
Yes, definitely on the sexuality spectrum. And I would say probably, if not all, my audience is male or at least male assigned at birth. Uh And, you know, I do have certain people that prefer to see me being like super submissive, you know, in chastity, doing submissive things. But then there's those other people that just want super dominant stuff. They want to see what I like to call my she-cock or my sheenus and just (laughs) do that kind of stuff. And uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. I'm laughing at sheenus. Yep. (laughs) I like that. Also, like, I mean, 90-something percent of your content, you're in drag, female presenting. But then there's an occasional hit of, like, male body, male presenting, you know, no drag. Do you get responses to that, too? Do people like to see, like... Are people interested in the fluidity of it or? I have just a couple people that are super interested in seeing me present mail and, you know, shooting content, but it's not something I'm interested in doing. Um, uh-huh. You know, that's kind of one of my hard limits as a content creator is like, I won't shoot presenting mail. Like I'll shoot androgynous yeah. stuff, kind of like the road warrior look where I had my natural hair and, you know, just wearing nipple pasties and, but Right. That's kind of one of my hard limits as a content creator. That and bottoming for men for content. That's not something I would I have interest in shooting. Do you want to talk about like why? Like why? Yeah. So um, I just my creative juices don't flow for doing male expression for shooting content. But uh-huh. I know for why I won't shoot scenes bottoming for men is just because I don't want that image because that's going to draw that crowd that wants that where they're going to just see me like that it, there's a whole psychology of it if i'm bottoming for men and the scene like in a scene because that's what people are going to get in that mindset and that's what they're going to want and i just don't have the energy to work with those kind of people and i rather you know rather be with a more submissive kind of crowd and more the crowd that just like feeds off my fun and energetic personality rather than just you know mm-hmm. being alpha dominant towards me interesting yeah cool you mentioned at some point to us that people will say like they're kind of confused by you that they're that you're just kind of like an enigma in some ways do you find that you're you're confusing to folks and and how does that feel like how do you how do you feel about being perceived that way it's very interesting because at first i had a big issue with the fact that someone sees me and i'm turning them um, you know, as far as sexuality, I had a big issue with that at first because of what, I don't know if you two recall that with James Charles, where like he went off on this thing where he said it, it was his, it was his attraction to hook up with straight men and turn them gay. And it was just, it was more of like a malicious thing that he was doing. And mm-hmm. so that's why I didn't really, didn't like that at first. But once I started talking to those people and what their thought process is behind what I'm doing that's sexually confusing them, you know, I I became more receptive to the idea and it's different for every person. It's just, and it's funny because I joke with some other creators I work with that, you know, it's not gay if it's a she-cock and there's something about that ideology that, you know, for a a straight identifying male to be attracted to a trans woman or just any kind of woman that possesses a sheenus or a she-cock that it's not gay because it's a woman. And I remember reading the book, Not Gay, mm-hmm. that you guys talked about in your podcast before, because I was uh-huh. I was like so intrigued with that psychology of straight identifying men 
engaging in homosexual activity. So, like, what does someone identify as if they're hooking up with me? Like, I'm gender fluid, so I'm gender nonconforming. So, like, if I'm hooking up with a woman, we could say we're lesbians, it's homosexual. But, like, or when it's strict, you know, straight up with a guy, it could, again, it could be viewed as gay or homosexual. So, it's like, I'm always playing with the idea of terminology and vocabulary as far as for, like, attraction and gender yeah so i am curious with that being said you know you mentioned that you kind of steer more towards queer folks like romantically and otherwise do you feel like that's part of the reason that it just like takes that stress of like what is this and and like it's not a question that in that way if the other person is like viewing you as a man or as a woman because like you were just two queer people. Yeah. You know, queer people have that vibe where you just don't have to explain everything or just like give them a dictionary and say, here you go. Here's what I am. Like when I meet most queer people, you ask what their name is. And then when they say, Oh, what are your preferred pronouns? It's just like, you get me. I don't know you, but you know me and we just know each other as a people. And I vibe with you because of that. so interesting what all of you are saying because it's something I've been thinking about and struggling with too recently like I have friends who are straight cis men who in the past few years have opened themselves up to their attractions to trans women and if you're opening yourself up to being with a queer person does that make you also queer it's a woman you're a man you're hooking up with a woman trans women are women so not really but at the same time like what you're saying is like there's this understanding when queer people are together and yeah. i don't know I, I don't i mean it's all sort of semantic and it's besides the point if you can connect and under have that understanding then that's the most important thing see the whole like thing with just the word queer because like the definition of queer if you like look it up it's strange or unusual And I believe you guys talked about this before where it's just like, am I queer enough or, oh, am I too queer? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've had that question to myself. I'm like, oh, am I queer enough when I go out to, you know, when I would go out to a gay bar with my girlfriend at the time, my ex-girlfriend. And it's just like, all right, we're presenting as a straight cis couple and people aren't going to validate the fact that I'm queer because I'm here with a straight identifying woman. Right. Yeah. Well, and if queer is defined as unusual, like right now, most queer people are not the norm. We're not a large percentage of the world. But if our if our queer mission is successful and we spread this gospel of fluidity and non-binariness, as I think the world is and everything is sort of fluid and non-binary, then if we're all queer, is anyone queer? What's the what's the unusualness of being queer at that point? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's yeah, like right. when I talk about like just some when it's someone I'm trying to woo or potentially dating, like if I could just if you could get past the, the monotony of what do you like to do for fun? What do you do for work? Where'd you go to school? If you can engage with someone and just not have the either those three or four questions and it's just natural and flowing and it's just like like i remember i was talking to a girl i don't know how we got and she was queer identifying don't know how we got into the conversation but i just stopped myself for a second i'm like did i just drop on a girl that i'm potentially trying to impress my ideal way to die in a horror movie 
<laughs> like in the in the first five minutes of talking to this person, like did that just happen? But you know that to me is just like you know kind of that strange and unusual thing about queer dating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the way I look at it is like queer is like a extremely multifaceted word, as we're highlighting here. That it's like one everybody has their own definition of it, and also there's kind of no definition of it at the same time. And I feel like what you're highlighting, Miss Colleen, is like the idea of like kind of social queerness where like there is like a social kind of mindset that that is just like outside of the norm and then there's like the separate queerness that is directly linked to like gender and sexuality that I feel like at least I like will often like refer to queer as like where it's like directly tying in like a dismissal of heteronormativity right where like we're disregarding the idea of all of these binaries and just embracing the like all of the gray in between and realizing that even if I'm presenting super masculine right now and maybe only with like a man in the last year, right? That like still I, I innately like see all of that gray and all of that gray makes me queer. Yeah, and it's interesting because you uh, provoked the thought that I was having the other day in a, in a conversation how there's levels of being gay like there's gold star gay and there's like someone told me about being platinum star gay and i'm just like what does that even mean and they explained it to me <laughs> i'm just like wow but you what know is platinum star gay so platinum star gay is that like you were born by c-section so you didn't even come out of a, of a vagina and you haven't even seen one or been in one since so that's platinum star gay and i'm just like <laughs> I wow. I object. <laughs> yeah, I I am against that. That yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let's define people by things they couldn't control. Uh, when they were literally yeah. babies. Apparently, they exist. Oh, that hurts a little bit. <laughs> no, I've I've heard that too. It's a it's a thing. Oh yeah, it's real. Okay. <laughs> Wild. But go on. You were you were saying something too. Well, just you like were, it'd be interesting. Because it's interesting for me, because like when I think about my queerness is, you know, I present in drag and, you know, I have this super feminine look. But like if you look at some of my hobbies, like I like lifted pickup trucks. I drive one. I play sports. I talk about sports, but I'm in a community that's not straight white men talking about sports. It's like, you know, community with other queer people. Well, it goes back to this thing we've talked about of like there's this whole list of things that usually end up aligning with male and female or masculine and feminine these norms that like everything is supposed to fall in line and so it's it it's, makes sense that as a gender fluid person you get pulled in those different directions by these societal norms but but also as you've described like you just are who you are and if you're honest and open about who you are then you'll find people that like that and are attracted to that and that's how you make this stuff work. Yeah. Something else that I'm, is really striking me with what you're you're talking about, you've kind of framed like queerness as something that you experience through your more masculine traits in some ways, like talking about sports in queer settings. And like, I just, I think it's really interesting that something that some people, if they were to see you as this masculine presenting person talking about sports, could view as like this heteronormative thing, right? Like this thing that just like is the box that you were put in when you were 10 and now you're just trying to fit into that. But I love the fact that you're like owning that and rightfully so as a part of your queer identity, right? Like that 
that hinges on the existence of like very masculine traits too. Yeah, I mean, I remember vividly going to a local gay bar and I'm stepping out of my lifted pickup truck in full drag and six inch platform heels and all I hear is, damn, from like really far. I'm like, what just happened? And it's just someone's like, I did not expect to see you to come out of that truck. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks. I, I guess I'll take that as a compliment. And, you know, he's like, yeah, you look beautiful and all that. But, uh, yeah, that's just kind of like how you're yeah. going to talk about how you present one way and, you know, or someone sees one thing, they perceive it to be one thing. And it just 180, you know, it's not what they perceived. Yeah. Well, and in that moment, you're literally there's like a hyper femininity, there's a hyper masculinity almost that you could like read into that. And then there's like the androgyny that you're also ex talking about exploring on the daily too. So I think sometimes folks kind of lose sight of what gender fluidity is. And it's like switching from one to another. And like, for like, this is kind of like a more masculine phase of life. And then this is a more feminine phase of life. And I think hearing how you've integrated all of that into like very much the same person and very much like the same identity for yourself. That's super interesting to me and super cool to hear about. Well, thank you. <laughs> I want to ask about kink because um, I have a kink, which we haven't talked about here and, and we will not yet, maybe someday. <laughs> oh but my God. I, but I have one and it is very specific and like it makes so much sense to me and it turns me on like instantly and every time and yet other kinks make no sense to me or like i get because of my experience that they exist but the actual thing does nothing for me like i, I won't list stuff but you know it's it's very interesting how it's like almost an all or nothing if you have it you have it and also my kink is kind of what open my mind up to being bisexual because it was through that that I realized oh I like to see people of any gender involved in this fetish like gender isn't exclusionary for me have you found stuff like that and like what's it like to create kink and fetish content when you either share the kink or I'm assuming you do some content where you don't share the kink what's that like so to kind of touch on what you were saying, not so much on a content base, but as far as a community standpoint. So I found community in Kink and BDSM in my local area and from ranging from Philadelphia to New York City. And one of the most amazing things that I've come to love about the community is that you can do things with your friends like how like friends play like hey let's play basketball this weekend or hey let's play volleyball no i'll go to my friends say hey you want to do that impact scene this weekend then just like oh yeah let's do it and let's have a negotiation so the fact mm -hmm. that i can do, do that with people that i just call friends and not have an emotional attachment that's like intimate or romantic about it is like the coolest thing in the world yeah. and it doesn't have to have a gender tied to it too like if you're good with rope and you know how to tie someone up like i don't care if you're male or female like you're gonna get me into subspace you're gonna get me into that mindset like gender's not playing into it yeah but as far as creating content since i feel like a lot of my fan base and subscribers are either men or people were male assigned at birth the psychology that i think that people when they watch my content they either want to be the one that's doing it to me or two they want to be me in a sense 
So, and I have both types of fan bases where like I'll fully talk about the people that want to like be in my position and like how I, they can get there and, you know, exploring gender and like doing all these things and, you know, doing things like makeup and as far as like putting together looks. And then, you know, as far as shooting content, like the people that want to do stuff to me, it's just kind of like schmoozing them and, you know, using the right words and flirting and just, you know, kind of keeping them on the hook. Cool. Mm. Alex, what are your kinks? Just <laughs> I think I'm still lost on the fact that listeners are going to be like trying to like go through a list of fetishes and like rewind back before you started talking, Rob, and try to like try cross to figure off it out. different ones. See, and, that's like, what fed life is. Game. Like yeah. with my yeah. fed life, I literally like when someone asks me what are my kinks, I go to my fed life and I say like into this, this, this. Hard limits are this. <laughs> Curious about this. So yeah. that's, that's a useful tool. I know there's a whole list. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have this one specific fetish, but then as I then entered the queer community, I realized, oh, like I could get into some of these other things too. And like BDSM and rope play and like impact play. Like I don't, I, I've always kind of wondered how, the connection between queerness and kink stuff. Cause it seems like even if you're a hundred percent heterosexual, getting into this kink BDSM world is a little bit queer. Again, it's semantic, but I don't know. There's some relationship there. See, there's this one party I go to and I found, I just started going to it earlier this year, back in October. You know, it hasn't happened since COVID, but I found compared to all the other parties I went to that this specific one had the most queer people. And I just, like how I said earlier, you just kind of like, felt that vibe with people especially when you talk to them and you just kind of know and it's interesting when i go to like another party somewhere else and it's just you know you get kind of that patriarchal heteronormative vibe from that party and it's just oh this is different like it's Mm -hmm. fun in a sense but it's not as fun as that other queer specific kind of like party and it's just you form a community and you make friends and you know you can do bdsm and like rope and impact and like all these things and it doesn't it's not necessarily a intimate romantic emotional connection like kind of thing like it's just stuff you're doing on a friend level it's play i mean it's play is like the perfect word for it. it 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 like i mean it's not a childish thing to do it's very adult but in in the that way it's like play dates where it's like you don't need to define it as like friendship or relationship. It's, it is what it is and it's just play. Yeah. And it's like a connection. Negotiate it and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. That seems like a nice place to leave off. Everyone go out there and play, play with each other. Play <laughs> however you want. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Miss Colleen. Uh, it's, I'm glad we finally got to have this conversation. It's been a long time coming. Yes, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And you can subscribe to Miss Colleen on yeah. OnlyFans and anywhere else. AVN Stars, many vids, any of those sites, just look for Jersey Girl 21. Cool. And if you're a little embarrassed to do it, you can just call it research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're researching your sexual identity or your gender, you're doing research. It's self-research, self-discovery, self-exploration. Exactly. Yeah. No All, shame in that. Every time you watch porn is research, really. Right? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you again. This was, it was nice to have you and nice to chat. Two By Guys is created and hosted by Alex Boyd and me, Rob Cohen. Our logo art was designed by Caitlin Weinman, 
and our music was composed and created by Ross Mincer. Season 2 is executive produced and edited by me, Rob Cohen, and produced by Alex Boyd and Moxie Pung, with support from IFP. Thanks for listening to Two Bye Guys. 